message or sermon notes this morning. If you didn't, maybe wave at us and we'll try and get a copy of that to you. And uh, you'll see that the subject that we will be covering this morning is obedience. Obedience. Perhaps not the most common subject title that you will hear in churches today. And perhaps not the subject that we necessarily run towards and say that's the fav- my favorite subject that I would like to learn about. However, it is one of the most important subjects that we could study from the word of God. And if you look at the top of your notes and on the screen as it comes up behind me, you'll see there one very sobering scripture. And these are not the words of man. These are not the words of the Apostle Paul even, although they are God's words. These are words that Jesus himself spoke. And we have them recorded in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. And Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. Now, that would be enough for us to go home and meditate upon, at least for the rest of this week. That concept, that truth, that Jesus spoke out, that only those who do the will of his father, who is in heaven, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That is very sobering. That is very sobering indeed. In the context that Jesus spoke this, Jesus had, had been speaking to multitudes who were listening as he was as he was actually talking to his disciples. And we call that part of, of Matthew's gospel the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus had gone up to a, a, the top of a mountain and he was, he was speaking about very real-life issues. He was talking about heart issues. In one place there, he said, if you read in the Old Testament, you will find that the, the, the Scriptures say you mustn't kill. And they would have been very familiar with that. But Jesus said, what I'm saying is this. If you so much as look at your brother with a hateful heart, it is as though you have killed him. Jesus talked about God's provision for humanity. He spoke about forgiveness. He spoke about what we invest our lives in. And said, wherever your treasure is, Whatever you make your treasure, that's where your heart is. Jesus was really hitting home some truths to his disciples and others that were listening. And as he came to the end of that, of that discourse, these words were some that he spoke. And, and it was almost like he was saving the biggest punch until the end. Because he said this, you know, there will come a time when people will stand before, for God, before God as a judge. And they will say, we have cast out demons in your name. We've healed the sick in your name. 
And he said that there will be those who will say, Lord, Lord. In other words, they will acknowledge or claim Jesus to be the Lord and master of their lives. But, Jesus said, only those that obey my father will see the kingdom of heaven. Now, why is that sobering? It is sobering, my friends, because that applies to us today. Last week, we talked about what it means to be a real Christian, how we become born again and hunger after God with all of our lives. And obedience is the subject really that, we, that follows on from that. Having made Jesus Christ our Savior and our Lord, our Master, are we honestly in a place where we would be able to stand before God and say, God, I am obeying your word. Not just I've obeyed your word and I've become a Christian, but I have obeyed your word in that. And now I seek with all my life, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength to obey what God says. You see, in our societies today, we do not like to dwell upon the subject of obedience. It is not a subject that, that if you go into colleges and universities, you will find that there is much talked about. And we have been encouraged to move away from what is termed blind obedience to a place where we question and we debate everything that we are told. Just a few years ago when I was in high school, my physics master said to me in the first lesson, do not believe everything I say. And as young students, of course, we thought that was fun. We can disregard everything this man is going to tell us. But what he meant was question it, debate it. In the context of that school, there was an element of healthiness about that because it was a process of learning. And it isn't necessarily wrong when people are teaching us of things to do with science or literature or anything else that we query and question and debate. But my friend, when it comes to the word of God, what God speaks to us, in my opinion, this is not open to question or debate. It is to be obeyed. And we are not to wait until we understand it before we obey it. Next week, we will talk about some of the hindrances, some of the obstacles that appear in our way to obeying God's word. We'll also be looking at some of the blessings and we'll qualify what that means. But God's word is to be obeyed before it's understood. And that grinds in our brains. It hurts because we have developed into a place 
where we will not do something unless we understand it. We will not accept a principle, a concept, what's called a truth, until we can understand it with our human minds. How many of you drove here this morning in a car? How many of you understand how the internal combustion engine works? How many of you understand the basics of electronics in your car? How many of you understand the computer chip that programs the carburetor and the fuel mix in your car, apart from Daniel? (laughs) The rest of you do not understand, like me, how those cars work. You simply take your key, you put it in the ignition, you turn it, and you believe that that's going to start and bring you here. You don't understand it, yet you believe that it will work for you. Isn't it strange that we can do that with a piece of machinery? And yet when we come to God's word, simply because we don't understand it, we say, I'm not going to believe it and I'm not going to do it. Let me share with you some really powerful thoughts this morning as we talk about obedience. As you read the Bible, you will see that obedience is a condition that God lays down from the beginning right through to the end. In the book of Genesis, you will read that the Lord God commanded man. He did not suggest. He did not say this is a good idea. He did not say, I'd like you to consider. God said, I command of you that every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I command you, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. A commandment right at the beginning of history. If you read through your Bibles, you will find time after time that the way that God spoke to his people and to the leaders of his people was by the means of commandments. And he would say, for example, to to Joshua, If you will do everything that the word that I've spoken to you commands you to do, and you do not turn to the left or to the right, then you will see great success. In the book of Deuteronomy, God lays down, on one hand, blessings for those who obey God. On the other hand, curses for those who disobey God. And you can go right through every single book of the Bible And you will find that God commands humanity to obey him. Now, I I appreciate that this morning we sung a song, I am a friend of God. For those who have given their life to God and to those who obey him, God calls us friends. But the friendship that God has and desires with us is not necessarily the type of friendship that we have with each other. The friendship that we have with each other is based on, on, on what joins us, our interests, our common interests. Maybe, maybe a hobby or a pastime or that we're both foreigners in a foreign land. That's what joins us together. And we find a sense of, of comfort and, and security in that. 
But that is not the basis of our friendship with God. Our friendship with God must be based on this, that we were lost and hopeless sinners who God reached out to in grace and saved us. And God is far greater, far more supreme than we ever will be. And we cannot have a friendship with God based on feelings and emotions. It must be based upon our total devotion to what God says and our obedience to him. That's a friend of God. Now, that's not a human friendship, is it? Sometimes that's why we struggle in our relationship and our obedience to God. If you go to the very end of your Bible, you'll find in the book of Revelation in the very last chapter, these words, behold, I am coming quickly, says the Lord. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. From cover to cover, from beginning to end, the way that God relates and deals with humanity, he says, this is my word, you obey it. And we struggle with that because we love that lovey-dovey, touchy-feely, warm sense of communication and relationship with God. But that is only possible, my friend, in any real terms when our hearts are turned towards God in obedience. In obedience. When we make that choice to disobey, it's called sin. You say, no, no, that's me just processing some thoughts that I'm having, working through some issues that I'm not too sure about. My friend, if you know what God's word says and you don't do it, if I read the word of God and I see what God says to me and I choose not to do it, that is disobedience. And Jesus said, Only those that do the will of my Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. All I'm doing to you, my friends, is quoting to you scripture and putting it in the context of our lives today. Because as I look at my life, as I look at the lives of many people who are Christians, who attend church regularly, I see that there is this Very stark danger that one day Jesus Christ will appear and we will stand before him and we will say, Lord, Lord, and he will have to say to us, depart from me. I don't know you. You have not been obedient to the will of my father. That would be worse than terrible. And we are we need to be so thankful that God has has warned us, has instructed us, has been so clear as to how we can stand before God, right before him. And I think sometimes we have allowed, we have allowed looseness to enter into our Christianity and we allow ourselves uh, flexibility and slack in our relationship with God and we say, oh, God understands that I'm just flesh and blood. He understands that I'm not perfect. But God actually says, be perfect as I am perfect. Be holy as I am holy. 
and the freedom that Christ has died to give to us is not the freedom to do what we want when we want, but the freedom to choose to do what God wants when he wants us to do it. Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom to obey the word of God. Freedom to read his word and put it into action in our own lives. Let us look at the power of disobedience. In the scripture it says this, For just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. Adam disobeyed God on one count. And as a result, sin entered into humanity. Each one of us here was born in sin. A sinner with a sinful nature. That was the power, the effect of disobedience. And you may say, well, my name's not Adam. And that action has happened. And what I do now doesn't have that effect. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. If your parents here, when you disobey God, not only does it affect you and your marriage, it affects your children. It says to your children, I love me more than I love God. And it sets a standard for your children to follow. And unless and until God breaks through into their own personal hearts, however, the example they will see and follow is the example of their parents. That's the way God has set it into being. Read the Old Testament. God told his people to do certain things and said to them, when you speak to your children, remember we talked about the stones that the the priests left in the river as they crossed it. When your children see this, what is this pile of stones, dad, mum? You'll be able to tell them of how you obeyed me and you crossed this river on dry ground. You see, what we do has an enormous effect and when we obey God, it sets a standard in our, li- in our lives and the lives of our children. And I would say in the lives of those around us, it sets standards for others to follow. There is a power of disobedience. It is not just something secretly that goes on in my heart. And, and I may think that I can put on a nice show on a Sunday. I can dress myself up. And and I can appear to be a wonderful Christian, but in the secret of my own life, my own thoughts, when I'm sitting on my own in the in the night times in front of a computer screen, you know those those things where disobedience creeps in, and I do what God tells me not to. I might think they don't affect anybody, my friend. They do. They do so much. They affect you, and they affect those around you. And they affect more than anything your relationship with God. The book of Isaiah says that when we allow sin and disobedience in our heart, it distances us from God. Over the years that I've been pastoring, many people have said to me, Pastor, I don't hear God speak to me anymore. God has gone silent on me. And almost every time when I say to them, what was the last thing God asked you to do? 
And maybe they have to think hard. But eventually they come to the place where they remember that God asked them to do something. And they didn't do it. And God has not got offended. God doesn't sit in a corner pouting. Not wanting to talk to us. But when we have disobedience in our heart towards God, there is nothing else that God can say until we obey. Used to be a little chorus we sang when I was growing up. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. But to trust and obey. There is a power of disobedience. There is also a power of obedience. The rest of that verse in Romans 5 says this. So also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. Talking of Jesus Christ, the man that obeyed the will of God to the very letter. Through his obedience, many, including us today, are made righteous. You see, just in the same way as disobedience will negatively affect ourselves and those around us, so when we choose to obey God, it opens the door of heaven. So that that life of God can flow in and through us. And we can lead people to that place of freedom in Christ Jesus. There is a power of obedience. Now I want to take just a few moments now to talk about grace and obedience. Where do those two come together? Where does the grace of God And our obedience to the word of God. Where do they gel and fuse together? Jesus said in John 14 and verse 15. If you love me. Keep my commandments. In other words. If you love me. Obey me. How does that equate with God's grace? Let me read this quote to you. I think it will help you. This isn't on the screen, so you you just need to listen. The relationship between God and humanity in the Old Testament was definitely based upon man obeying the word of God. I think that many people in church today believe that this all changed After the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. Grace becomes the prominent word in our vocabulary as a believer. And so it should since it is by grace that we are saved. Grace means undeserved favor. That is shown to us in its fullest extent By God, as he gave humanity his one and only son to be punished for their sin. It was demonstrated by Christ as he willingly laid down his life and died in our place. And God continues to extend his grace towards us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus even though we do not deserve it. He has given us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us 
and empower us in this life. If as believers we sin, he has made a way by which if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there is an eternity in the presence of the Lord for us to look forward to. But my friends, grace is not a replacement for obedience. Grace does not mean that we can choose whether we obey God or not. It does not mean that we can disregard God's word as old-fashioned, out-of-date, too hard to understand, or irrelevant. Grace is not an excuse that if we find something that God asks us to do too hard, that we can opt out. It is a misuse and a total abuse of God's grace when we knowingly and willingly disobey God and rely upon his grace to cover us. Having been saved from the consequence of our sin by the grace of God, God fully expects us to follow him in total obedience. Where does grace and obedience come together? In my opinion, and I believe in the teaching of Scripture, it is very simple. It is this, that grace enables and empowers me to obey God. The Bible says that when we confess our sin, God is faithful, just, and cleanses us. My friend, the full working of grace is this. That it removes from us any and every desire that might be found in us to disobey God. That's where God's grace comes in. Because you know, I know, that without God's grace, we could not obey him. Without the gift of his Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He goes on in the same breath to say this. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit. Whom the world, those who don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, cannot receive. Because they neither see him nor know him, but you know him. Do you know the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of grace? You know him for he dwells within you. And will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You see, it is by God's grace that he gives us the Holy Spirit. Who enables us and empowers us. To be obedient to God because he knows as well as we know without him, we cannot do it. My friends, I'm so thankful that God has given us the Holy Spirit. He opens up the scriptures to us. He brings it alive. He makes it relevant to us. He reveals the truth of God's word to us. 
And then when we say, Lord, I don't understand this, but I want to obey. The power of the Holy Spirit enables us. How does that work? It works like this. When God speaks to you, let's say God speaks to you about forgiveness. And you have an opportunity in your home, in your place of work, in your friendship group. You have an opportunity to not forgive. At that moment, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He will remind you of God's will. And he will give you the opportunity and the ability right there to obey. Disregard the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that we grieve him. Maybe, maybe you struggle with resentment or bitterness. Maybe you, you have a, a difficult time in, in holding in anger. Or dealing with anger on the inside. When you have an opportunity to become angry. I guarantee the Holy Spirit. If you want to obey God. Will speak to you. And will enable you to know what God's will is in that situation. My friend. That is purely God's grace. That is where grace and obedience come together. It is not. So that we have license to sin. And disobey God. And God says it's okay. My grace will cover that. Jesus said. Jesus said. Only those that do the will of my father. Will enter the kingdom. Of heaven. As Jesus came right to the end. Of what we call the sermon on the mount. And just after he had said. The words concerning obeying the will of his father. He turned to those that were listening to them and he said, now listen to this. Those of you who hear these words and do them and obey them, you will be like a wise person who built his house on the rock. And the storms came and the rain fell and the winds beat against that house, but it stood firm. But he said, those of you who hear these words, but you choose to disobey them, you will be like a foolish person who also built a home, but decided to build their home on sandy soil and the storms came and the rain came and the wind blew and the house fell and great was the disaster of that fall now please listen however close that sounds to the fable of the little three pigs I will huff the wolf said and I will puff and I will blow your house down. I guarantee that there is no link whatsoever. This, my friend, is no fable. This is just not a story with a meaning in it. This is actually Jesus getting as serious with people as he ever did when he walked on the face of this earth. 
He was talking about an eternal decision. He was not saying, I'm going to give you the choice. He said to these people, you're going to make a choice. And on the basis of your choice, will not only rest your life here on earth, but your eternal destiny. Now we could apply the story of the wise man, the wise builder and the foolish builder. And we could say that the storms that come are the storms of life. And the rain that comes are like the challenges that we have. And the winds that blow are like the difficult circumstances we go through. And they would be, to a degree, a true application of those principles. But only an application. My friend, the ultimate application relates to our eternal destiny. Heaven or hell. And we may sometimes like to say to God, it isn't fair, God, that you ask so much of me. That you demand so much of my life. And if I fall below that, you say in your word that you will not welcome me into heaven. But my friend, you you forget what we were like, what we are like. You would forget who God really is. You see, we cannot bring God down to the level of humanity. And if there was one lesson that I wish we could learn in, in our Christian walk today, it would be this. Don't try to humanize God. God is beyond human limits. He is infinite. You explain that to somebody. What does that mean? He is eternal. He is without limits. He can be everywhere at once. And yet he's interested in each individual. You see, we cannot comprehend God. The Bible says his thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. Don't try to bring God down to our human level so that we can understand him. There are standards that God has set. There are conditions that God has laid down. And because, because God is God, full stop, that's the way it is. It is God's grace and God's love that he should ever reach down into humanity and demonstrate his love by allowing Christ to die for us and to carry the punishment of our sins. As we said last week, we cannot set the conditions of our relationship with God. Those conditions, my friends, have already been set. It is not a contract with small print. It is not a contract that can be changed. It is a way of life that God has established. And we choose whether we obey it or disobey it. Now to obey it is life and life eternal. To take a hold of God's word and to feed upon it and to live according to what it says. My friend, however hard it may feel, however alien to what we're used to doing it may seem, However difficult those steps of obedience may may feel for us to take. It is the way of life. It is the way of eternal life.
It is the way in which our hearts are opened up and God pours of himself into us. It is the way of peace. It is the way of joy. It breaks my heart and I cannot imagine what it does to God's heart to see those that, that are followers, believers, Christians, whatever terminology we use, who have no peace, no joy. They move from one crisis of life to another. They, they find themselves perpetually bombarded with temptation and unable to resist it. And I read the word of God and God says, if only you will obey. You will have access to the very life of heaven. My friend, as we open it up next week, the blessings of obedience, they are boundless. They are endless. They are without limits. They know no ends. They are the, they are the source of our life. And God has made a way. God has made provision for us to experience him in all his fullness. But there is a condition. It is that we humble ourselves. That we recognize that God will forever be way, way above us. Above our understanding, above our emotions, above our feelings. And that when God says do this, we need to do it. You know, I have found that when I obey, it is then that sometimes understanding starts to come. As long as I fight and as as long as I resist the will and the purposes of God for my life, I always stay confused. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. We resist God's ways. We think we know best. And we stay in that place of confusion. But my friend, as soon as you step out in obedience and you take a hold of God's word and you choose to live according to it with no conditions, no extra sentences in the contract, but Lord, this is your word and I choose to obey it you find that the full force of heaven is with you. The full power of God surges in you. I was talking with a friend of mine this week who who was facing some challenges. And and I was able to encourage him with God's word. Stay innocent. Stay above reproach. Don't be drawn down to a level of human battles and fighting and living. Stay above that. Stay obedient to the word of God. And God won the victory for them. And some of the blessings that come when we obey God. Who are we to think that we know better than God? And to resist his will, his, his ways, his word for us. Let's humble ourselves in obedience and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. 
And let's see the blessings of God flood us. The power of God infuse us. The goodness of God flow through us. And that's where that place of peace is. When that channel, that communion between God and us is unbroken. It's not blocked with disobedience. But we can stand before a holy God. Righteous by what Christ has done. And knowing that we're obeying him. It's a beautiful place to be, my friend. And it's been made available to us by what Jesus Christ has done for us. Would you stand together with me, please? Father, we want to thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth, the power, the life that's within it. Father, I pray right now that, for, that each one of us would allow that word to rest and stay in our hearts, that it would take root, that it would produce such beautiful fruit in us. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Father, I thank you that as we make that decision this morning to turn our back against what we want, what we think is best, and to turn our face towards you, that the moment we step out into obedience, your power is with us, your ability, your strength, your Holy Spirit charges us with heavenly life. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace that saves us and opens up to us all the rich treasures of heaven through Christ Jesus. Amen.